We are basically a window or a door for any technological person who wants to start their career in the UK. They have nothing to do with Ukrainian or Russian sanctions. The backlash of what happened at Slash was huge and it was devastating both for me and also for the company. At the same time, the reaction of Ukrainian, Estonian and Polish communities is totally understandable that the war is happening and uh, Russia is invading Ukraine. And at the same time, the price is given to the founder of the Russian passport. First, a quick message from our sponsor. Sourcing tech talent and delivering your software roadmap shouldn't be difficult. That's why DZ connects high-growth companies with some of the best pre-vetted developers from across the world. Whether supporting your in-house team, building your dream dev squad, or delivering a project end-to-end, DZ's unique model is trusted by businesses globally to help them rapidly execute software development. DZ is offering all UKTN listeners a 10% discount on their first engagement. Go to dz.com slash UKTN to access quality development teams today. Hello and welcome to the UKTN podcast, a weekly conversation with founders of some of the UK's high growth tech companies. Each episode, we talk through the founders' personal journey, their vision for their business and their views of the wider tech industry. I'm Jane Wakefield and I've been writing about tech for more than two decades. And joining me today is Anastasia Miralubova, the co-founder and CEO of Immigram. Hi, Jane. Thank you for having me today. Anastasia, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell me first a little bit about how you became a founder? Was Immigram your first company? And why did you choose to go into this particular field? Ingram is actually my second company. The first one failed pretty fast when we realized that the market is not big enough. I started the first company all knows while I was studying uh, at BBP University, the law school in London. And with the second one, I actually got some experience first. So both me and my co-founder, whom I met at UCL in London while studying together, We happened to work at immigration firms and the most interesting thing I would say about our work was comparing the different approaches to immigration cases which our firms had and realizing that there is a space which could be automated and there is a lot which could be done in the area. So that's actually how we founded Immigram. Uh, Misha did it first and I joined him a couple months later. But when we were starting a company, we didn't have a direct plan that is going to grow so fast and we'll have so many employees and a lot of clients. We were just trying to help ourselves and uh, help people like us who were willing to stay in the UK, but were facing the processes of bureaucracy and complications accompanying that. Yeah, so kind of talk me through, obviously, we're very used to the fact that there is this massive skills gap. So feels odd that it's so complicated for people to move from one country to another. What is it that they have to do? And why is there the need for a service like yours? You know, is it not just simple for them to do on their own? Sure. So our main focus in the UK is the global talent visa route. This is the route for exceptional uh, tech founders, IT specialists, starting from 
engineers, product managers, uh, UI designers, everyone walking around product and willing to come to the UK and work for uh, either UK companies or just live there. And uh, the process itself is very complicated and it's not straightforward at all. So it's not the tick the box experience as with uh, work visas, for example. You have to collect a lot of information and write a lot of documents from the blank page explaining what extraordinary have you done uh, in the process of your career for the last 10 to 5 years and uh, explain that and support it all with documentation. So what we are doing, we're streamlining those processes, we're enhancing communications between the manager and the client itself. So it makes it faster, it makes it more user-friendly and I would say the experience is similar to going through Facebook page rather than talking to a lawyer who wouldn't understand the specialty of the work for, of an IT person, especially if someone is working in deep tech or ML technology and there are a lot of definitions which are unknown to the legal industry. So why did you choose the UK specifically, not just as the place to kind of concentrate in terms of the visas, but also as a place to establish your HQ? By the time I was starting a company, I have already been in the UK for, I think it's three and a half or four years. And London has already become home and was so a great interest from international talents of uh, coming to the UK. So that's why like both me and my co-founder, we were there. Some of our team members were already there. So there was a no-brainer that UK should be the first place where we set up a company. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but you left Russia in 2016. What kind of led to that decision to relocate? I always wanted to leave somewhere abroad. And London was a great choice because I did my uh, conversion course into law in London. And this was the shortest possible, I would say the most difficult, but also the shortest possible course in order to convert my uh, degree in philosophy into the degree in legal. So I did the bachelor's program squeezed into one year, actually nine months of getting the degree. So London was a great choice. And also at that time, I was flying to Moscow quite frequently. And it's also three hour flight in comparison to 10 hours or seven hours to New York. And were there sort of political reasons behind your decision as well? At that time, not really. So it was 2016. And uh, uh, the situation in Russia wasn't that bad and especially in Moscow it wasn't that bad at that time but I always found that European countries and uh, Britain as well are more open-minded it's easier to express ideas it's easier to dream and to start big things there in terms of the mental approach of people the criticisms Russia used to be and I think like now it's it is getting even worse, but Russia used to be more close-minded with a lot of criticism and uh, without an ability to dream as big as the whole world. And uh, building international companies from Russia is um, is much more difficult than starting from abroad. Now, obviously, since you left, the situation has changed quite dramatically, particularly with the ongoing war in Ukraine. And figures from last year, which I suspect are probably still valid, suggest that hundreds of thousands of IT specialists have left Russia as a result of the war and Western sanctions. And I, I suppose for Immigram, that meant an uptick in users. Was that the case? Indeed. So we experienced a huge growth in the clients and in the offers, uh, which were received uh, starting from February, especially. 
And now we can see that, as you said, hundreds of thousands of people have already left Russia and um, they're not coming back. I mean, I'm guessing you still have family and friends based in Russia. One of the first things that happened when the war broke out was that we saw the tech companies really take a stand, uh, unusually perhaps, because these tech companies had always tried to be very platform neutral and avoid politics. But we saw Apple, Samsung, Google all taking a, a big stand. What effect do those sanctions, particularly from those tech companies, have on, on ordinary citizens that are, are in Russia, do you think? I wouldn't know that in details because uh, the majority of my friends have left Russia when, uh, when the war started and uh, the majority of fellow founders, uh, like Russian founders of international companies, they have also relocated offices and uh, first moved to Georgia and Armenia and then um, moved somewhere else like uh, Dubai or London or the United States. I can't say what is happening uh, inside of Russia now as I don't have uh, like a, di- a direct view there as the majority of my friends have already left too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously it's had an effect on the company itself. What has Immigram done particularly to support the war and maybe tech specialists in Ukraine that, that need your help? So, yeah, when the war started, we did uh, several pro bono cases uh, for the Ukrainian engineers and Ukrainian founders. Also, we see that our stance uh, against the war is in helping people who are Russian, but they're leaving the country and they don't have a place to stay because Russian people are currently also experiencing like huge mental problems. It's not the same grade as the Ukrainians, but uh, people had to make a decision to leave the country and they don't have a place where to go else. And also there was a huge problem that they are not welcome uh, anywhere. So I'm currently in the US and in the US the situation is better. But I would say our main office now is uh, in Georgia and situation in Georgia against Russian people is uh, is critical. A lot of uh, a lot of the citizens don't welcome people and uh, even if uh, they are against the war and live in the country, not supporting the regime, they're still not welcome home because they left home and they don't have Russia anymore like to visit or to live there and don't want to pay taxes there. But they're also not welcome anywhere else. So our big help here is to help talented people, to help people with a critical mind who want to leave the country, to start a life somewhere else, to help uh, the UK economy benefit from their brains and uh, other economies too. A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high quality and cost-effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. Deezy exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads, all while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one-to-many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand-picked development teams, engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit dz.com slash UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners. You got yourself embroiled in controversy without meaning to at all last year when you were at Slush. I was actually also at Slush uh, in November and I watched the stage as they kind of unveiled the winners of this £1 million prize that Slush gives out every year. And I remember seeing how delighted you were to have won. But that didn't last long, did it? The euphoria of, of winning turned into a bit of a social media storm. Do you want to talk me through what that was like for you? 
Yeah, sure. We can touch upon it, but I wouldn't uh, like to go into the deep details. Yeah, the backlash of what happened at Slash was huge and it was devastating both for me and also for the company because there were four or five steps, uh, the selection steps to the process uh, where all the organizers of the conference and all the funds knew that I'm originally Russian and uh, I got the team who are Russian too, and uh, they knew about the business and knew about everything. So the decision of uh, revoking the price, uh, we found it purely political and also, I would say, both understandable and, uh, and a surprise decision because from our stance, they knew everything about the company and there was nothing new revealed after the prize was given. And uh, at the same time, uh, reaction of uh, Ukrainian, Estonian and Polish community is totally understandable that the war is happening and uh, Russia is invading Ukraine. And at the same time, the price is given to the founder of the Russian passport. But as you saw the stage, it was actually, I would say it was controversial itself because to the finals, they let the Ukrainian girl, the Russian girl. Yeah, you're referring to the fact that one of the finalists was also a Ukrainian. It was impossible for me to imagine I will win. Yes, I, 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 and, and that came across. And actually, I think you're being quite kind by saying you understand the reasons because it actually felt like it was a, a complete mess. It was. <laughs> as soon as this thing happened, there was just a huge burst of, on both sides to some extent, but a lot of questions on social media about why a firm that was run by Russians was allowed to win and there was a lot of vitriol I understand that you yourself got death threats which must have been pretty horrific for you yeah it took me I would say three months to get into the working position back and not to be afraid of I think I'm still a bit afraid of social media and about posting anything at all and uh, yeah the situation was was devastating I lost uh, seven kilos I'm I don't have much weight <laughs> any any times, but it was seven kilos less. I didn't want to do anything. We were so afraid of what might happen. We we got a lot of threats. We got a lot of accusations, which were not truthful, but they got under the skin. And at some point, when you get a lot of negativity going your way, you start doubting yourself. You start doubting the company. So I started doing that. So it was a very... Um, a, a very tough learning curve, I would say. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. And I can imagine it was a, a, a horrific time for you. What was the official reason that Slush gave for, for revoking the award? The official reason, uh, they didn't state it clearly because we were going through the due diligence process and due diligence process was uh, very clear that we have a UK company, UK funds, uh, UK residency. So as far as I remember, they said something about operations in Russia, which also they stated that we are paying uh, some taxes in Russia, which is a total lie because we have never had uh, an entity that are neither, neither paying taxes in Russia as we are like just a UK company. And I suppose it's now is a good time to refute some of those rumours that were flying around. So there were suggestions that Immigrum is a way for Russians to escape international sanctions. I guess your answer to that would be, you know, tech workers from wherever they are in the world have the right, as you've already expressed, to, to work wherever they want. Yeah, of course. And also we are helping not only Russians. We got a lot of uh, clients from India. We got uh, clients from Pakistan. We got clients from 
China, from Singapore. So we are basically a window or a door for any technological person who wants to start their career in the UK. And uh, they have nothing to do with Ukrainian or Russian sanctions. So that as they have been like working and paying taxes in one country, they move to another, they contribute to the society, they contribute to to the shortage of high-skilled workers, which is currently huge, both in the UK and in the US. So it's helping all the economies and also it's, I would say, threatening the power of Russian economies. So it's actually not helping the regime, but doing the opposite. And the other report was that you are still hiring in Russia itself. Is that the case? No, we were hiring through the Russian platform and relocating people. And yeah, there was a huge, I think there were a couple of threads stating that we are hiring in Russia, but in in the Russian platform, you can't put remote in there. So you can turn LinkedIn, you have to put a place where the people are coming from. I'm guessing that uh, you don't think the the situation was handled particularly well by Slush. Will you be entering any other competitions of this nature or has that sort of put you off now? I'm not sure we're going to do anything that public in the coming year. Maybe after we launch our US operations and Australian operations, we'll be able to, we would like, I would say, to, to go back to public announcements and uh, public competitions. But for now, we're just focusing on the work we're doing and the people we're helping. Well, let's talk a bit more about that work then. What What's sort of your big plans for 2023? You mentioned opening a US office, so I'm guessing that's an important part of it. Talk me through what 2023 is going to look like for you as a company. Yeah, our big step here is to launch different streams of uh, of the visas and to become a company which helps talented people to move across the globe, not only to the UK, but the big plan is to build a one-stop account where the person can uh, check their eligibility, see whether they're eligible for a visa to this country or that country, go through the process. And after that, smoothly join uh, the new community. As when an immigrant comes to another country, they lose a part of their social status, they have to open a new bank account, rent a new flat, uh, find a new community. So Immigram is building an ecosystem so that they can do it seamlessly. And how is it different in different parts of the world? I mean, are the visa requirements in the UK very different to other countries? It will depend on the type of the visa. So for the Global Talent Visa and Extraordinary Ability, which we focus on, it's pretty similar both in the UK, in the US, in Australia and in Canada. You need to prove that uh, the person is extraordinary, that they have done enough things contributing, uh, contributing to the work, to the innovations uh, of the field which they focus on. And uh, the difference is in the format of the documents uh, which should be sent and the type of the documents as well. So it's pretty feasible for us. Obviously, you set up post-Brexit, but do you think Brexit has had a big impact on, is it made it easier for tech workers to get into the UK or has it made it harder? We don't see the results of Brexit as of now, as there was a transitional program for European specialists to apply for the European type of the visa and then to extend it to the permanent residency. So for now, we're not working with European clients yet. This would come to place in uh, 2024. So I would say that we'll see the bigger number of European customers coming after that date. 
But also we see that European governments are actually currently working on attracting those talents to themselves and uh, they're reducing the time to the permanent residency from five years to three years. And this is to be launched in some of the countries by the end of April. So we'll see how that would result in uh, in the tech workers and in their choice of uh, which country they would like to travel to and dedicate their work to. And are you seeing particular shortages in a, in particular areas of tech? So obviously at the moment there's lots of talk around artificial intelligence. Is that an area that is suddenly demanding more workers? Do you get a sort of sense of the trends of where technology is through the kind of demand for workers that there is? Well, from what we can see from the inside is the types of persons and uh, the types of uh, their focuses, uh, which are easy to get a visit to or more difficult. And uh, we see that general types of engineers are still getting the good approval rates for the visas, but the ones with uh, ML and AI focus, they're very important for, for the UK society, but it's harder for them to prove that they have done something significant because some for some of them, it's uh, just the developing area and then they haven't been able to prove what they have done yet. So we see that everyone working in technology is in high demand to the UK as of now. And do you see any difference in gender? Are you getting more men applying for visas than women? Because it's been a perennial problem in the tech industry that we don't have enough women. Is that reflected in who's emigrating as well? Indeed. So we got, I would say, unfortunately, we have around 95% of men. Oh, gosh, that's so nice. Three to five percent of women working uh, working around technological sector, which um, apply through us, and uh, luckily we saw the increase in those. So when we were starting the company, there were mainly men doing the business. Now we can see that um, there are women as well. So I hope that this tendency will change. Yeah, I'm shocked by those numbers. I have to say, um, I've obviously been writing about tech for many, many years. And it feels like there's always been a shortage. Why do you think, finally, that there is such a shortage of tech workers in the individual countries that they have to look outside to gain these workers? From what I can see, based on the research from the US, a lot of people who go to undergrad and postgraduate studies in the US, they decide not to pursue difficult technological degrees and uh, they go into other disciplines and this creates the gap in the number of jobs created in the technological sector and inability of countries to fulfill those positions from the within. That's why they have to attract talent from different countries. And uh, this is relevant not only for technology, but also for of medicine and for biotech as well. So everything which is tough and long to study is becoming more and more, or more and more difficult to attract talents. Interesting. Thank you so much, Anastasia, for a very frank and honest interview. I really appreciate that. But that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the UKTN podcast. To keep up to date with all the latest UK tech developments, head over to www.uktech.news. Don't forget to follow UKTN on LinkedIn and Twitter. And do get in touch with me via LinkedIn or Twitter at Jane Wakefield with your comments and suggestions about the show. And that's actually not just the end of the show, but the end of the series. Thank you so much to all the founders who have joined me over the last 12 weeks. We've certainly covered a lot. From climate change tech to ed tech, AI and waste management, med tech, 
robots, satellites and semiconductors, we've done a whistle-stop tour around the best of UK tech innovation. And we've also touched on some of the big issues affecting entrepreneurs, from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank to the effects of the Ukraine war and how tech is becoming increasingly tied to geopolitics. It's been a hugely exciting series and I've certainly learned a lot. And the good news is we will be back soon for Series 3, so watch this space. But for now, that's all from me, Jane Wakefield. A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high-quality and cost-effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. DZ exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads, all while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one-to-many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand-picked development teams, engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit dz.com UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners.